Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, we have special guest Josh Horowitz of 5 Minutes of Trouble, 5 Minutes of Bonsai, and 12 Chimes, It's Midnight. Welcome. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank, hey. thank you for being on. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah, welcome so much for, for stopping by. Yeah, I was mentioning uh, just before we recorded that this is actually podcasting history because I think this is the first time in one podcast we've had three people who have five-minute podcasts all at once. Gosh, <laughs> it is. All the fivers are here. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you, yeah, we've got the, the, the five minutes of Bonsai, the five minutes of Trouble, and then the five minutes of Mime. And uh, yeah, and five minutes of Mystery, of course. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Dave. With the mystery, yeah. So this is uh, this is quite an occasion, mm-hmm. and we're doing it all for the sake of minute fifty three mm-hmm. of uh, Groundhog Day. So, Dave, minute fifty three, lay it on us. So in minute fifty three, Phil invites Rita to look at his fake fire, and they go for a kiss. But Rita isn't sure they should do this. Phil jokes that they should, but Rita says it's a bit fast for her. Rita says that maybe she should go, but Phil wants her to stay and hear French poetry and even the ice cream he has sitting on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird for me just discussing a minute at a time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm used to these digests, but but yes, we, we can talk about all the great things that happened in this minute. And it's it's Bill Murray in total sleaze lounge guy mode. Oh, gosh, yeah. This, is, this was really hard to do the summaries for. Because <laughs> I'm just like, what? How's it, what's the best way to sum this up? And it's like, oh man, the worst ways. It's <laughs> the well, worst. Well, I mean, you you guys remember when Bill Murray was in that Star Wars sketch on Saturday Night Live, right? That's like the Cantina thing, right? From like, gosh, way before my time. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember it live. Anytime they would show like synopses of Saturday Night Live, you'd usually see that thing of him singing, uh, you know, the lyrics to the Star Wars song, and uh, <laughs> it, it just totally feels like that in these minutes here. I mean, he's he's putting on the the kind of smarmy charm, and I, I just think though that it, it's crazy to see how young Bill Murray looks in these scenes. I mean, this was twenty five years ago. I mean, I'm used to just seeing Bill Murray these days, you know, with less hair. He's looking kind of old and crotchety, but but he's, he looked pretty good back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right now, yeah, he's just an old man, just happy with his uh, with his uh, his Cubs win. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all right, so now I um we were talking about this earlier with other guests, but so we you know we want to know what your talk, what your ideas um on the fake fire and this bed and breakfast. Is it is it romantic? Is it cheesy? Uh, what I want to know your thoughts on fake electric uh, fires. <laughs> fake electric fires. Uh, you, you know, I, I've never really had the opportunity to be in a place with a fake electric fire, uh, but I, I figure if it looks cozy and inviting, <laughs> I guess it'll do the trick. It is a little a little cheesy here, but <laughs> now now this is in the place that that he was staying, right? Uh, yes. Or, yeah, and and you figure. He's probably been there. I don't know how, how many. How many years do you think he's at at this point? <laughs> I was gonna say probably 
I want to say at least 600 days worth, I think, uh-huh. with all the added rememberings and with the knowledge he's got to hold together. And and the fact that he says French poetry means that he's at least studied those books that he has there on the coffee table. Right. Verbatim so that he's like, OK, here's my backup plan. If she wants to hear poetry, uh, these are the books that I know I can handle right now. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, that kind of here's a little side question to to your question, Dave. It goes back to earlier, where you know earlier in the restaurant where Phil's speaking French, and and it was just it's a lyric to a song, and I kind of hypothesize that he doesn't he doesn't really know much of any French. He just listened to this one record that they happen to have at the bed and breakfast, and kind of memorized a lyric or, or two in in French. So, but here is he. Like how much French poetry does he know? Like is he does he just know? Oh, she always says no at this point, so I can offer and and pretend I know. Or do you think if she, you know, one day if she surprises him and and, and says, "All right, let's read some French poetry," does is he prepared for that? Or does then just the day reset? Now he's got he goes through another cycle where he spends a couple he spends a couple years learning French poetry. Oh God, <laughs> I honestly, you know. Rita and French poetry. I think Phil reads into it more than I would. If I was if I was dating a girl and she, you know, talks about her French poetry, I'd be like, you know, that's cool, but I don't think that she, I think she sees it as in her past still. Mm-hmm. Like how she talks at least at that restaurant, I get this vibe that it's like she did it when she was young and it was it was something for her to f- feel fulfilled. She got to learn and understand these poets. But I think where she is now, that's not like bringing that up to her is kind of like someone talking about like, hey, do you remember like uh, it'd be like trying to bring like, like an old cheesy TV show I liked as a kid. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I liked it as a kid. But like, you know, like you know, I'm, I'm almost 30 now. Like I, I want to rather talk about what's going on with TV now. Like that's how I would say. Like I, I think if anything, it's it's a little bit of a nostalgic kick, but I don't think that's going to really bring i think i don't think i don't think she sees it as highly as phil thinks oh this is what's going to get me in well dave and sean have you guys ever had a chance to impress you know potential girlfriends when you were younger or such uh you know with french poetry or, or something like that <laughs> i mean not with french poetry but i remember like yeah being a little pissant kid in high school thinking like you know because like the teachers are saying oh poetry that's the way a woman's heart and it's like and i like, say so you as a kid like oh man this is it this is this is the secret, man. This is what's going to happen. Like, and like the most she gets, the girl's like, oh, that's cute. And she's just, she's just as old as you. She doesn't have a grasp on the world. Like, <laughs> so it's just like, it's just you and you and this like teen girl. And you're like, oh, I wrote you this. And she's like, oh, that's cute. And then she moves on her life. <laughs> she starts, she starts thinking about the, 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 you know, the guy in the football jersey or something, you know. Hmm. Well, and to, to be fair, generally the and nothing personal against you, Dave. Generally, uh, poetry written by high school boys is not good poetry. Oh yeah, I know. I know the yeah. poetry I was writing at that point was not very good. I'm glad none of it survived because <laughs> Sean, if yeah. I I can remember some of the poems I wrote. It was me going like, "Is there a way I can get Xbox's Halo as a poem? Like, can I write a poem?" <laughs> About Master Chief. Okay, that's the BS yeah. I was writing in high school. So, yeah. I, oh, I know. Yeah. And that didn't work? I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Well, what do you think but is it, the equivalent now of, like, what millennials will do for impressing their girlfriends? 
god i don't know maybe like the right selfie at the right time yeah I, <laughs> it's well and like it's like you know promposals and stuff it's youtube videos and yeah selfies and... i you, i you took that picture on instagram hey i took that last week Here it is. yeah <laughs> i remember i took when i took my trip to chicago we're in this we're in the willis tower and we're on the viewing deck i remember watching like two millennials and it was like the the boyfriend wanted to take all the selfies and the girl was kind of like she took three selfies and i think she was kind of done mm-hmm. but he was like no no I, I could tell like from the body language that he like was like no we gotta we gotta post more of these i think she was like already checked out <laughs> they did a few like where they did like the fake like duck face kissing each other mm-hmm. over on the on the observe but they're like they were like, like sitting down like they weren't standing on the ledge they were sitting down on that glass uh walkway thing and i'm just like staring I'm, like Hey, you are holding up the line, uh, kid. <laughs> like, let's, let's move this along. You know, interesting. That's another thing that kind of struck me about watching this film is that there's no cell phones. I mean, this was a time before any <laughs> oh, yeah. of that. You know, this right. was like right. real life <laughs> back with back in the early '90s. Crazy. Yeah. So that that's it. That's it. Brings up a question that I've thought of that we I don't think we've discussed on the show, but I have thought of it. I did recognize. Yeah, no cell phones, and that's kind of a. I don't know, a parlor game that people do is go back and like ruin old TV shows and old movies and say like, yeah, if they had cell phones, this would end in an instant. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, some horror movie where people are stranded out in the middle of nowhere and be like, well, they would just, you know, they could just call for help if they right. had a cell phone kind of thing. I kind of, but, and so my thinking was the way I explained it in my head is this, if this was modern times, well, you've got the, the blizzard, the lines were down. Yeah. So you just be like, Hey, you know, there's no connectivity. Here and, and it's probably they're they're kind of out not the middle of nowhere but close to it so probably not great coverage anyway to begin with I'm thinking even current modern day Punxsutawney so you throw in a blizzard and you just say oh all the lines are down yeah but Sean you forgot the one thing <laughs> what was that is it snowing in space <laughs> <laughs> exactly space blizzards yes I know so yeah so what did you what did you think you know when you with that recognition, Josh, with the uh, the lack of cell phones, did you think of like what, how that might affect it if if this happened in modern de- modern times? Yeah, I don't know. I think the story itself is probably timeless enough. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that! It's timeless enough that you could probably still have this in modern day. I don't think it would have changed too much. You know, it, it just kind of harkened back to a, a time I remember when <laughs> there were no cell phones, and um, it just doesn't get in the way of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it might help him in in this sequence, and you know, he can kind of do research on on Rita and kind of research, maybe look up things about other people in the town. Oh, that's so true. kind of save yeah. him some of these loops where he's hmm. investigating people and figuring out what they like and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I guess if they did do a remake, maybe you'd see he would go to his phone and he actually recorded like what happened in the previous days. But then again, would the cell phone? not reset by the time he comes back the next day i mean yeah everything everything we could tell is everything resets except phil's mind Mm -hmm. his his body will reset so he doesn't have to brush his teeth he can eat whatever he wants he's not gonna get any he's gonna have a heart attack from eating too many donuts Hmm. um and that's and that was uh earlier i talked about that was my reasoning of why he kept missing the pothole it wasn't just Mm -hmm. because you know he's still shocked about all the things are going on. It was that like, he didn't have that. He reset and didn't remember the muscle memory ah. of falling. His body doesn't remember the muscle memory of the, of falling into that cold, wet pothole. Huh. So that's how I see it as. So interesting. 
Yeah, so it's like his it's like his brain and his body at moments I could tell could be having kind of like his brain remembers something but his his body doesn't have that muscle memory of it. Now, have you guys speculated on previous episodes about what this movie would be like if he didn't remember each day? If it literally was him <laughs> just doomed to repeat it every single day and it's the same thing? Well, then I guess he would just be another prisoner of Mrs. Lancaster's <laughs> sick game. <laughs> yeah. Then it would it would just well then it would just be real life. No one would want to watch that. Like, you know, he, well then he'd be you know he'd be like Gus and Ralph. He'd be one of the guys sitting in the bar. Oh God! They're like oh, every day is just the same. Mm. <laughs> oh my God! That's a, that's a horrible alternate ending where it it has Gus and Ralph like at the bar and then it'd be like we cut over to like a blank stared Phil like sitting there at the bar with them. Mm. Well, maybe. Wow. I didn't, so so yeah maybe those guys those are they were you know um, weathermen or, or weather reporters in like <laughs> the fifties or the sixties and they got sent to Punxsutawney to do the report from the Groundhog Day and they never figured it out they never make the leap that eventually Phil makes and they just end up they're they're prisoners of Mrs Lancaster and they're trapped in this town forever wow <laughs> yeah that would be. <laughs> Is it a weatherman thing? Yeah, she. I don't know. She's got. Yeah, she's got a thing about weathermen that she just traps them. Do you? Yeah. I want. Yeah, I want to do see. Do you want to talk also... about the weather, or do you want to imprison me for eternity? Yeah. It's a bar just filled with doomed weathermen. Yeah. Oh, I'm writing that one down. That's a note. Yeah. I definitely. Yeah, I want to see that alternate ending. I could see. Yeah, they show. They show Phil and Ralph talking at the bar. And they're just talking about, oh, another day and everything's the same and nothing you do matters. And then the <laughs> camera slowly pulls out and it's not the two of them. It's the three of them. And Phil's <laughs> now he's in the, the knockoff five dollar Groundhog Day T-shirt. And, oh, oh, oh. You know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I, so I, I so. All right. No, 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 I want to get back to the minute, but I. All right, so you know. Well, we, so we'll, so bringing yeah. it back around yeah. to the main question before okay. we 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 diverged off was was Dave. Your question was about the fake fire and is this mm. romantic? And I oh, think yeah. this is sort of it's it's like an ironic romantic. Mm. I don't I don't think that a fake fire is seriously romantic, but it's kind of kitschy kind yeah. of thing. Like, oh, isn't this we're in this corny bed and breakfast with this cheesy fake fire and. Ha ha ha, kind of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you try to be a romantic in front of this fireplace, it's kind of always like, uh, well, I guess we have to. Like, this is what this is supposed to. Imp- <laughs> it's but it's kind of like looking at an oil painting of something where you're like, it's not real, but it's giving me the emotion of it. So I guess mm-hmm. we, it's what it is. Yeah. Um. Is. Hmm. So yeah. So mid thirteen, after he gets her to sit down, and look at it, the fire. I guess we do have a pseudo consensual kiss here. Hmm. So, uh, you're, there's a few claps for Phil on, you, congrats, <laughs> you got the girl to kiss you, yeah. uh, consensually in a weird way. Yeah, he's at okay. the next level now. <laughs> it's like, congrats. But obviously, Phil, he has to keep pushing it. This is not enough. It's not enough that he, he got her to, back to the bed, or back to the, uh, the bed breakfast and to kiss him. She's gotta, gotta go all the way. Hmm. I mean, do you think that that's what Phil thinks at this point, that, if he can go all the way with her, that that will be his escape. And so let me that's tell why he's trying so hard. Let me tell you something, Josh. Those flowers were not there earlier in the film. Oh. oh. Uh, 
That's what I was talking about earlier when I said I have a theory and I had to go back to the earlier minutes. I'm like, these flowers were not here. So he now, when he's in this part, he makes sure he somehow calls some local flower store that I'll probably find somewhere in this town when we are walking around. <laughs> I'll be like, there it is. He went to that flower store. He made sure, delivered to the, th- the top floor of the bed and breakfast of Mrs. Lancaster's hmm. and have it ready by this time. And he throws them like a couple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So were those the the scene the scene with Nancy? That I don't we think see there were there. no flowers. No, the, the not with yeah not with her. And early in the movie when he's washing his face, because we're gonna see we're gonna see that part of the of the, of the bedroom, and when we see it, uh, uh, you're gonna see a flower on the nightstand, uh, and it was not there earlier in the day. Like it's clearly like put there. It's not like Mrs. Lancaster does it for her guests it's clearly like a, a store bought uh um of like i think it was like yellow flowers mm-hmm. right there where he uh you know right next to the bathroom so it's clearly he's dressing up the bed uh the bed and breakfast room to make sure he has everything perfect here now do you, you think know? that there was a day beforehand where he tried this and the flowers weren't there and that and that just screwed everything up so then he had to well, try he it this thinks time. <laughs> he has a he blames everything but himself he blames oh you know what it was I didn't have that. She probably wanted to talk yeah. about French poetry. Then he spends the next few days in the library with a with a with a dictionary uh-huh. and and whatever books he can get. And he's like, okay, well, if I study this, will be it. And he goes, you know what it was? I didn't set the mood right. I didn't have the electric fl- thing on. And I didn't have the flowers. Mm-hmm. So then he does the. Fl- so now he's like, he's adding things. He's like, oh, if I do all this, this is going to get. It's like, no, Phil, mm-hmm. you're thinking everything needs to change except <clears throat> you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I like the method that he uses, though. You know, it's. I mean, what do you call that when when somebody says you're like, "Oh no," and it's like, "Yes, I know, no," and you just keep going? It's like, like is that kind of a passive aggressive behavior? It's. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, it's like. I mean, we can see it from this third party where we're watching them, but it's like when you're in the the mood and she says that, you're like, okay, you know, let's. All right, she's giving me some subtle hints, but. She's not saying like no to the whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You're like take take what win you have. You got a kiss, and you have her being interested in you. Mm-hmm. But to Phil, it's like, well, the day's going to reset, and I have to do all this over again. I need to have the ultimate uh, uh, relationship right now. Hmm. Right, and I think these the kind of all week like these these minutes, not just this one, but the next couple as well, really emphasize that point. The kind of the the timeliness and the the the, the the part that timing is playing for Phil that he only has this one night. I would think for, for most of us, you know, kind of just at the end of this minute, if he stops and, you know, when Rita says stop and lets her go, like this was a good day. They, they talked, they chatted, they had a meal, they walked in the snow and built a snowman and like, you know, a little making out in front of the fake fire. Like that's a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I, I would think most people would agree and honestly, honestly, yeah. like if you watch them like making out, if they, if he, if Phil like didn't get so handsy so fast, mm-hmm. like he's like he's like he's trying to mold her like she's a like, damn pot of clay that's still, that still hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, it hasn't like dried yet because he, he's like grabbing her shoulders and he's like rubbing her elbows like it's like Phil just you know if, 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 if take it take it romantically man but he's not romantic he's a pos you know well right. I think in this case also I mean he knows that if he's still going to be stuck in that loop. He's not going to be able to get anything else. I mean, at this point, if you were in a normal relationship, you know, you'd have your kiss in front of the fire, you'd hold hands and say, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And you mm-hmm. let it, 
last. You know, it'll take weeks, it'll take months, and and then you'll get there. But I think he just realizes he doesn't have that time, and so he is overly aggressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. And and that's the thing is that he's not learning quote the lesson that you know Mrs. Lancaster and and the destiny is put in front of him. Hmm. He thinks that he's got to change something about other things about this town about people where right? it's like you know he's got to change and we're going to see that in the upcoming minutes that he's not changed yeah not there's changed. and there's a there's a definite sign here in case you were kind of lulled into thinking maybe this movie's almost over maybe phil and rita end up together and you know phil's changed and he's found true love this isn't he isn't just kind of pulling a scam the way he was with nancy mm-hmm. you know phil's changed but at the very end of the minute his last bit where she says, maybe I should go. And Phil's hmm. response is, where would you go? <laughs> and just like yeah. that kind of demeaning, like everything else sucks. Every place else sucks. There's nothing of any value in this town. You know, why would, where would you go? Why would you study French poetry? Why, you know, why would you do that? It, it isn't just, you know, he could have, you know, he could say, I'd rather you stay or I want you to stay. Hmm. You know, he could be positive about this room and wanting her to stay there, but he's got to be negative about everything that's not him. Interesting. Where would you go? And that's just, you know, that's old Phil. That's the bad Phil coming through, even though he's trying to pretend to be the good Phil. That's Mm. that's, See, that's that's a good point because he can't tip his hand right now, but it's that he knows exactly how her night would go if she wasn't here with him. Mm. Like, he's probably... I want to say the word spied on her. He's probably seen mm-hmm. exactly what her night looks like when she goes, probably goes back to her hotel room. Maybe she hangs out at the bar. Maybe she kind of like wallflowers at most at the, the, the groundhog day dinner dance. And, and then she probably goes back to her room alone. And then she probably, yeah, reads, you know, one of her novels that we saw her earlier in the film reading at the bar. And he goes, you know, what kind of, what kind of life is that? You're, you gotta be here with me. Like I'm the best thing. Yeah, me here with the ice cream, mm-hmm. and the uh, the Bodleyard, <laughs> and I thought that the ice cream was an interesting choice because the fact that he had set it up earlier. Yeah, well, I, we know he can he can set things up, and this yeah. is kind of getting ahead. But um, and we've talked about in previous minutes of trying to figure out what things happen in the same day. But Jill Rita will have a line. Uh, next minute i think where she mentions fudge so mm. they've been to the sweet shop they've got the fudge and the white chocolate and stuff and now here with the ice cream like is that i'm just in general like and and maybe i shouldn't be second guessing a god <laughs> like <laughs> phil connor like okay he's <laughs> obviously lived this day and been through this process many many times and has learned from experience but I just like how like is that is that kind of the I'm just wondering like what's the plan like every time she says no or every time she tries to leave, you just throw more food at her. Huh. It's like well you know I don't know you know let's keep this professional. We work together. Oh here's some fudge. You know oh I really should go. Here's some ice cream. Oh it's getting kind of late. I ordered a pizza. Like just does like he just keep piling food on her? And also I would think at some point that would be kind of anti-romantic be like oh now i'm bloated and yeah. i had a bunch of dairy and <laughs> you know just it's not a good time phil please hmm. i i see i i it's just funny um 
when you said this, this whole thing, you guys are thinking, he's like, yeah, he's trying different like combinations and trying different equations. And mm-hmm. it reminded me of something back in my early computer science days when we talked about like math and computing stuff, like with computers, like how, what things you could do. And there's this, there's this math program. I'm going to paraphrase. It's called the salesman equation. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be, what's the most efficient way a salesman can hit all these different locations in a certain time and they're all at different distances. It's kind of like it goes into like, you know, how many multiple different um, paths he could take, you know, from mm-hmm. A to Z, Z to X to Y to H to B. Like maybe this one's faster. And it's one of those things where it's like it's almost impossible. It's pretty much impossible to compute because how much it would take. But to Phil, he's probably done it. He's done it in a brute force way where he mm. knows how long it takes for him to walk to these places. And he says, OK, well, that doesn't work. I'll now have to add in. Flowers, ice cream, fudge, uh, and dinner, and uh, snowmen, and and he knows the exact pass and the speed he needs to to be the most efficient in his mind to get Rita to sleep with him. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also, I've never been able to freeze anything on a windowsill. <laughs> like, I mean, the ice cream's already cold, so I guess yeah. it doesn't matter. But I re- I remember um, I was uh, when I took a trip to to, to Berlin. I wanted ice, and I bought like ice at a little like um, a little uh, tourist shop. And so I filled the ice in in the bathroom with water, and I was like trying to get it to freeze over like a, a, a night, so like I have ice to put in like a drink at night. And it never worked out. It never worked out because hmm. like because man, I tell you, I I think I've already argued with this. Uh, Europeans don't like ice like us Americans. They don't. They don't well, do it, I man. Don't, they don't I like don't know condiments. They... they don't like ice. I don't know that they don't like it. They've just never gotten used to it. But yeah, that's it. For some reason, the ice trade just didn't take off the way it did. I mean, nowadays they've, we've got refrigeration and we can make ice and there's no reason not to have ice no matter where you are, what the weather is. But before all that, before modern technology, ice was a natural resource that it, it, mainly New England. Yeah. I mean, there are other parts of the United States that, that get cold and, and have winter. But yeah, it was a mainly New England thing of, of harvesting ice. When when lakes and ponds would freeze in the winter, they'd cut up the ice and ship it out and like fill barns with it and pack it in straw to kind of keep it cold or yeah, to keep it from melting or, or at least hmm. slow down the melting. And that's you know, that industry kind of brought back or kind of invented the idea that we have in the United States of a cold drink and an ice drink. And um, they, you know, just Europe was busy doing other things that the, the traditional ice trade back in the day didn't yet yeah, never took off the same way. So they're just not used to a cold beverage or having ice in the glass, the way, the way it's common in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there there's you your ice minute yeah. right there. <laughs> Yeah, though I I have done this. Um, I don't and I I don't remember. It might have been an early, a very early minute of this podcast where I discussed it. But I had this past winter, my refrigerator broke and wasn't keeping things cold. And fortunately, it was it was about zero degrees Fahrenheit around here. Mm -hmm. It was well below freezing. I just took everything. Um, out of the freezer and the refrigerator and just stuck it outside, stuck it huh. on my deck. Um, fortunately, I've, I've got an enclosed porch, so I didn't have to worry about wild animals or anything coming in and getting <laughs> it. But yeah, I just put stuff outside and it kept cold. 
<laughs> your right. your fridge broke the same week my parents did too. It was funny. I heard, hearing that story twice. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, I've got. Yeah, I want well, Dave. It's about time we had the the talk. I have something to tell you. <laughs> oh yeah, I have an interesting note about uh, Baudelaire. Actually, uh, I was reading up, and according to Wikipedia, Charles Baudelaire was a French poet who was also a pioneering translator of Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. And the Groundhog Day story seems like something out of the tortured soul of Poe. So is that a coincidence? Mm. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, when you said, when you said, well, it, maybe that's how it was easy for him to get, maybe? Because you're saying if he, if he had some work with Poe, you're saying translating yourself? He translated Poe, I guess, to French. Okay. Because I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, how... Maybe that, like, why he was mo- easy to get at the library or the bookstore in town for Phil to get and then read and study. Hmm. Trying to think, like, why, yeah, like, you know, how that one was the easiest for him to get. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he, yeah, he went to the bookstore. He's like, I need, I need some, I don't know, some French poetry. I, I need it like this. And they said, oh, we'll recommend Bolliard. He's like, I'll take it. <laughs> I needed something French and I need it fast. Hmm. I could see this, though, being a story that's something that Poe would have come up with. Though they would have probably had some murders and people walling people in and stuff like that. Yeah, actually, that would be that would be a, a creepy story where it's like whatever, it like Phil repeats the day, but he sees some kind of echo of what he did previously in that day. It's like the mm-hmm. day is repeated, but he sees some echo of it that haunts him. That would be pretty. Um, that would be a creepy horror story. Or the the worst thing would be uh, he, like the the guy commits a murder and he's sent to prison and he wakes up in prison and. He wakes up in prison the next day. <laughs> There's nothing he can do. There is an X Files episode that's like that. Oof. Um, I am the short answer. The short, the short story of it is that essentially he's repeating the week backwards. backwards. So he wakes up in prison, and he finds he's murdered his wife, oh. and he doesn't know what happened because he's he's only you know he's at Saturday, and he murdered her on Monday. Hmm. And so he's essentially trying to piece together who murdered her backwards so, he's, so he knows so it's like he gets the he, he's able to get enough evidence as he's going backwards in the days to then when he gets that day he calls uh he calls uh i think john doggett because i think he knows john doggett uh robert patrick's character mm-hmm. to help him stop this and it was yeah i forget what the story was but i remember that's it's a pseudo kind of groundhog day thing where it's like stuff is out of order or it's you know it's repeating but in the worst way where it's it's backwards Hmm. have you been discussing other movies and tv shows that have been doing the groundhog day uh, concept a little bit i know the i've been putting it off but that one that came out last october um the happy death day happy death day it's Mm. it's like i'm putting it off but i'm like i guess i should watch it because now there's a sequel announced and i don't know how that works i don't know if it's supposed to be the same character or not so i'm just like well i guess that's that's the curse. I gotta I gotta check it out. <laughs> yeah, I just I just saw that. I was, I was kind of doing, just wandering the internet this morning and saw the announcement for Happy Death Day too. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, should watch that. Hmm. Um. All right. I mean, that's we got we got we got we got to bring Josh in tomorrow. That's that's <laughs> the short answer to this, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah I think it sounds like we're about ready to wrap up on minute fifty three. But yeah, Josh, can you? Can you hang out for another day? Yeah, well, I think so. I, except, aren't we going to be doing the same minutes again? <laughs> uh, he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll okay. wait and see what the alarm clock says. <laughs> All right. Sounds good.
yeah well thanks a lot for for joining us josh if um so yeah folks want to hear more of more five minutes uh or five more minutes of you uh where can they where can they find you well we can uh you can find us on five minutes of bonsai.com we're we're wrapping up the series uh, by the time this airs i don't know if we'll be done or not but uh yeah mm-hmm. we're talking about buckaroo bonsai five minutes at a time and if you like the five-minute format, we also have fiveminutesoftrouble.com, where we discuss the movie Big Trouble in Little China, me and my co-host, Brett Stillo. And if you like numbers, uh, you should also check out 12 Chimes, It's Midnight, which is our sort of ode to old-time radio. We do original shows. Uh, so, yeah, that's at 12chimesradio.com. Well, thank you very much, Josh. Thank you. So Yeah, and those are all great, especially the... The, the 12 chimes radio i'm a i'm a big fan of those old timey radio dramas and it's the kind of thing that there's there's not a lot of these days yeah uh, not a lot of folks are doing it certainly not regular radio but it's good to hear a podcast kind of a a little bit different from this you know movies by minutes analyzing thing it's mm-hmm. you know all original scripted stuff and uh and just a really great show that i would I would highly encourage our listeners to to check out if they haven't already. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've penned a couple of scripts. Uh, my co-host Brett Stillo has. And yeah, they're all original shows with music and sound effects. So yeah, check them out. I guess, I mean, I, we're just about to end this damn episode. Now I have a new thought. I'm guessing <laughs> the old radio dramas have evolved into like the, the whole true crime podcasts hmm. where it's like they're all, all these, like whether it's a real story, it's a fictionalized uh, entertainment version it's like that's it's probably all it's already written now it's already paced and then they want the listener to come back each week to learn a new um thing about that story mm. yeah i, I mean they, the... they have those episodic ones and those are certainly popular but i've just found that there are quite a few podcasts out there that that do these sort of single episode standalone essentially radio dramas mm. and podcasting is basically the new medium for radio it's it's mm-hmm. found a second life there and so it's it's great that it's available to so many people you're too good josh you're too good for us <laughs> <laughs> all right josh well thank you for joining us dave thank you for for joining us thank as you. always Hi. and and listeners thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow if there is one can we have ice cream? <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Rocky Road. Don't let them say your hair's too long.